Wow, we, uh, we sounded pretty good, didn't we? When, when I figured out what you were singing, you know, it was... And, and Blaine and I was tremendous up here, by the way. I just thought I'd say that. Well, Blaine was anyway. When I said the other night that my brother Eddie didn't have really good pipes, I was kidding. I'm one of no pipes, really. I, I was telling somebody the other day, they, they asked if I had sung in the singing seminarians, and I have. And uh, after I had sung, uh, and if you're from Asbury, you know who that is, that prophet, we had a guy named Prof Tremaine. Remember Prof Tremaine, an uh, awesome, awesome uh, individual and, and a great brother. And, and so uh, I tried out for the uh, singing seminarians, and, uh, and then and I got in, which was a shock to mainly my whole family, I'm sure. Uh, so after I'd been with him about a year, I asked Prof, I said, Prof, uh, just between us, how come you let me in? He said, well, I liked your spirit, Joe. I knew it had nothing to do with my voice, you know, that, uh, but what a great experience. And that's, that's a great thing is, is that in our worship, in our worship of the Lord, we can't overdo it. Uh, you know, we, we just put everything we have into our worship, and, uh, and it's awesome, goodness. And he makes the worst of us sound tremendous. Isn't that right? Especially in the shower. But that's true. Today, today, um, today what I want to talk about, until I knock this thing out, I'll, uh, today what I want to talk about, last night, last night, uh, in the middle of the night, I, I just got awakened and uh, God doesn't speak to me because he knows I can't hear worth a hoot. So he has to shake me, you know, Joe, 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 Joe. And uh, I think he gave us a word for today. And uh, so I said, Lord, you don't have to scream. I'll, I'll get up. So, so I did and uh, jotted a few things down. And, I, and what I want to do is take us to, and I'm going to mention verses. And you can jot them down if you want. Uh, interesting. Um, and and uh, uh, But this first verse I want to give you is in Isaiah 35, if you have your Bibles. It's in that part where the pages are stuck together. But Isaiah 35, uh, I, was in a, I was in a prayer meeting. I was with a group uh, years ago, years and years and years ago. I, I was with this group, and, and uh, we, we were praying, and I can't remember which, which exact experience it was. Uh, sometimes we go to Atlanta for uh, three or four days. First time I ever went to, uh, to go with my brothers to pray, I walked in, and there was about 15 or 20 of us, and I said, uh, I said, uh, we're going to take a break for lunch. They said, lunch? I said, yeah, you know, it's noon. Let's have a break for lunch. They said, we didn't come to eat, Joe. So that was the last I saw food for two or three days, you know, and I dreamed about food. But I got to know them a little bit, and, and in one of the gatherings, if I recall correctly, uh, th this brother, he, uh, um, <laughs> he said, I have a word from the Lord. I believe I've got a prophecy from the Lord. And I'm thinking, and I shouldn't have thought this, but I thought, oh, brother, this ought to be good. You, you know, and, and I thought, if he's wrong, his head's going to roll off his shoulders. That's the way it used to be. Isn't that right? You better be right. You got a word from God, you better be on. You better be on. And... Uh, 
So he came out with this, this scripture in uh, uh, Isaiah 35 and uh, verse 2. And, uh, um, and I'm reading from a New Living. Then I'm going to read it from another version, too, that I'd, I'd written in my margin. Um, the, the New Living says, uh, verse 2, The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon. And one version says, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for the glory of Lebanon. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. And the glory of Lebanon uh, was really the, the cedars uh, of, of Lebanon. And, uh, um, and that's what I want to talk about. You know, uh, uh, it takes some nut like my buddy to just speak out. And, and the Lord really convicted my feelings about that and led me to this scripture. And I just read this uh, to remind myself. Th this, is in, uh, uh, this, this is in Hosea and verse 9. You don't have to turn there. But it says, listen to this. <laughs> you know, the Lord can nail you, can't he? He can just nail you. He's like a doctor. He's like a doctor. You know, you, when, 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 you, uh, when you, got, uh, you go to a doctor, and, and I don't know why, how you guys do this, but he takes his finger and he jams it in and he says, does that hurt? And you say, no. No, it doesn't hurt. How about that? Oof, oof. No, that doesn't hurt. And you're thinking, he's going to quit in a minute. And then he, ooh, he finds it. And you go, rah! He said, that's it. And then he says, how's this feel? Oof. And you want to say, how's this feel? Oof. But uh, um, God's that way. He knows where to, where to put that finger. You know, he knows where to, to nail you. And, and this, this scripture, uh, my feelings to my buddy, and, and you think of a word of prophecy, and that was years ago. Uh, Hosea 9. And verse 7, and, and this difficult time for, for uh, Israel. The time of Israel's punishment has come. The day of payment is almost here. Soon Israel will, will know this all too well. Now listen to this. Soon Israel will know this all too well. The prophets are crazy. The prophets are crazy, the people shout. The inspired men are mad. So they taunt. For the nation is burdened, uh, is burdened with sin and shows only hatred for those who love God. And I thought about that. In the eyes of the world, you really think about it. Only madmen have changed the world. You know that? And women. <laughs> Let me say that. Only madmen and women have, have changed the world. And uh, um, people who settle... Uh, for mediocrity and, and, uh, and, and live and die leaving no mark for God. There's so many of us, right? And, and we don't want that. One of the greatest compliments given to Jesus is in uh, Mark 3.21 where his family, they said, he's out of his mind. His own family. One of the great compliments, he, they said, he's out of his mind. But only a madman 
would speak to a storm and say, peace, be still. Walk to a graveyard. I, all my brothers are in the funeral business. Never once that I recall has one walked to a grave and say, rise. You know, Lazarus, come forth. Only a madman would take five loaves and a couple of fish and feed 5,000. It takes a madman to change the world. And I, I think this, this scripture here uh, really brings it out. You know, we need more of this kind of insanity where we trust God. And, and my buddy, <laughs> he's one of those guys. And he spoke this scripture and, and, uh, about, the, uh, about Lebanon and uh, the Lebanon. And, and when that happened, we ministers, we ministers have this compartment that we hear, we hear or get involved in something like that, or we hear something and we tuck it away in a special compartment. You know, you just kind of tuck it away and I think, well, I'll think about that. And, and we put it in that special compartment where you put your best or your favorite illustrations or something, but you kind of tuck it away and say, that's an odd statement. And, and you tuck it away and then somewhere down the line, somewhere down the line, God brings it forth. This morning I was, uh, I was with John Juneman in his, uh, in his Bible study, I need to come to that. Uh, what I heard, one thing I heard, basically, is that we worry today in the Methodist church, and, and this is happening in all denominations, the church is really taking a hit. And people worry about what's going to happen to the church. What's going to happen to the building? Are we going to split this? You know, let's flip a coin and see who gets the fellowship hall. You know, how's this going to work? And I thought about, I thought about this uh, service one time where the preacher stood up and said, at the beginning of the service, said, Welcome to the house of God. Isn't it great to be in the house of God? And this old lady stood up in the back and said, Isn't it great to be the house of God? And that's who we are. And that's what really, uh, this prophecy, I think, I think that's really what, what it's all about. In 2012, in 2012, uh, I, I was, uh, uh, I left uh, the, the pastoral ministry, Beth and I left, and, and we took a, an administrative uh, position. And uh, we didn't just have our problems, we had everybody's. <laughs> that was fun. Anyway, our first year there in 2012, uh, this little church, uh, they called uh, the office and they said, uh, why don't you come by the church Saturday night? We're having a barbecue. And I thought, well, I'll get to meet people, and I love to meet people. So, so I went to that church, and, and, uh, and, and there, <laughs> I went to that church, and, and goodness, there was, there was a mob there and, uh, and the best barbecue in the world, you know, Cleveland, Tennessee. And, and they had this great barbecue. And I was talking to this guy, and I said, uh, are you raising money for something? He said, we're raising money for the foundation of the church. And that just hit me funny. Only in the South is, is the church of Jesus Christ built on the foundation of barbecue. I thought that was pretty cool. 
I said, uh, well, that, that, that's interesting. And I, and I tucked that one away, John. I thought, I thought, I'll use that one later, I'm sure. I said, what happened to the uh, foundation? He said, this church during this era was built on a tree. And I said, that's why I really knew I'd hear him problem. I said, what'd you say? He said, it was built on a tree. They, they, they'd take a great tree and they'd, they'd cut it off, you know, and they'd use that as the foundation. And it had been there a hundred plus years. And he said, the tree began to rot and the church began to go down. And it cost us, and this is a tiny church, it cost us $80,000 to put this foundation back in. And it's a beautiful foundation in this little church. And, and uh, I said, wow, that's something. Why do you build a church on, on a tree? And he said, well, that's the way they did it back then. And that compartment began to move a little bit, you know. Like, think about that, Joe. And, and uh, so uh, several years later, recently, Beth and I began to serve a little church in the Smoky Mountains uh, called Campground. And uh, I mean, it's an interesting little church uh, there in Townsend, Tennessee. If you're ever there, holler. A and uh, church starts at 10, though, not 11, okay? Preacher's long wind. But anyway, um, I've had bears come by the last few weeks. You know, in a Methodist church, everybody counts, and it's open communion. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting place. But there was an architect. There's an architect in that church, and we've only been there a few months. So I don't really know all the people, and there's only about 40 or 50 of us. And uh, this guy's talking, and, and, uh, and I shared a little bit of what I just shared with you. After the service, he came up to me. He said, I'll bring you some pictures to see next week. And I said, well, okay, I figured. This guy's weird. Why don't you just pull his phone out? But anyway, he came in next week and he showed the picture. He said, this is underneath this truck, this, this church. And he said, he said that, and I looked at that and I said, is that a tree stump? He said, yes. He said, this church is built upon a cedar. And then that thing really began to move. <clears throat> you know, I mean, it really began to move. A and I thought, wow, the church built upon a cedar. And, I, and I've, I've shared from this uh, scripture several times, but that kind of brought it, that brought it uh, to a head in a sense because of the day we're living in and the things we're looking at. You with me? So what I want you to see now is that the church, when you, what the old lady said in the back, said it's good to be the house of God. It's good to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's good to be. It's good to be. And 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, that, that, those chapters are bringing up. It's good to be the house of God. And God still uses spiritual cedars to build his church. And you can go back you can go back to my brother's, um, you can go back to that scripture. And, and uh, again, I'm going to just read it one more time. And it's just one verse. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. And the glory of Lebanon will be given to it. 
Isn't that awesome? So, we are the cedars of Lebanon. And, and, and did a little study on the cedars of Lebanon, you find out there's more than just one kind. And God uses more than just one kind of us uh, to build His church. We're all different. And one, one, one type that grows there is, uh, is, is called the little cedar. And I remember uh, when I was a kid, I used to love those missionary days like we have tomorrow. I, I love those missionary days uh, when, uh, when they'd, bring, they'd bring snake skins. You bring a snake skin? They'd bring snake skins that would stretch from one side of the church to the other. That's the coolest thing in the world. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> and then they'd show films. They'd, they'd have it. Somebody seen that snake skin lately? But anyway, they'd show films. They, they, they would show films, and, and I really, I, I thought you guys all used the same one. But because everybody lived in a different kind of hut than we did there in Appalachia, Virginia, where I'm from. Um, and, and we'd watch those films, and we didn't have to hear that long-winded preacher, so it was really cool. Uh, you'll appreciate that tomorrow, folks, when you have a missionary day and you think, my goodness. I'm glad Joe and Tom are taking a rest. We all need a rest. Right? <laughs> but little cedars. And they showed this guy, in this, in this one film I recall, they showed this man, this native there in Lebanon, they, they, they were showing him drive this little jalopy of a truck in this, in this crater-filled uh, uh, road up a mountain. And he cut down uh, little cedars, they called them. And, and these cedars were crude these cedars were unpolished. These cedars were used to build a, 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 a little fence, you know, around uh, for the animals or whatever, the enclosures, that, um, the pens or what have you. And, and they, were, they were those, uh, they, was the little, they were the little cedars that, that perhaps didn't get a lot of recognition, but they were there and without them we had a mess, you know. And, and, and this guy is talking about as they loaded up these cedars and they piled them high, they piled them high in the back of the truck, and, uh, uh, and, and the narrator said, now watch this guy come off the mountain. And notice that he did not tie the cedars down. They just stacked them on top, stacked them high on the back of that truck. And, and this guy starts riding. He's driving off of, the, off of the mountain, and that truck is all over that road. And, and I mean, he's bouncing and, and from one side to the other. He comes off the road, and then the guy says, notice that not a tree falls off that truck. And he was bouncing back and forth, and not a tree that had been cut, not a tree, not a limb. Not, they did not fall off that truck. And the guy said, the narrator said, not just kid, the narrator said, little cedars have this, this uncanny ability to cling to one another. And, and, and you watch this thing, and, and, and you really saw that. And, and uh, um, we think today, those little cedars are among us. And what is it that keeps us together? What is it that keeps us clinging to one another? Number one is, uh, is prayer. I jotted a few things down here. Uh, one, number one is, uh, is prayer. That, the key is consistency. And, and in uh, Mark 1.35, Jesus got up early and he prayed. It's more important to him than breakfast. Uh, Luke 6, 12, he prayed all night. It's more important to him than sleep. And the little cedars 
They pray. They pray. They read the Word. They read the Word. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed uh, for lack of knowledge. One version says, My people are destroyed because they don't know who I am, God says. They don't know who I am. And they don't know who I am because they're not in the Word. C.S. Lewis said this, It is not the remembered, but the forgotten past that enslaves us. That's powerful, isn't it? It's not, it's not the remembered, but, it, but it's, the, uh, uh, it's the past that we, the forgotten past that uh, enslaves us. I, I want to read a, a verse out of Amos, uh, and if you have your scriptures, this is Amos 8, 11. Uh, you might want to jot that down there because this is an interesting verse. The time is surely coming, says the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. That's a powerful word, isn't it? The consistency uh, exists because of prayer and, and because of the word. Uh, a third thing is they, uh, uh, they witness. Jesus is on trial in the courtrooms of human reason today. And, and uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're doing the thing, doing the thing to lessen the impact of Christians, you know, that they take away this freedom or that. And, and Jesus is, is, on, is on trial. In Luke 9 and verse 26, if a person is ashamed of me in my message, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in my glory and in the glory of the Father and the angels. Wow. Isn't that something? Uh, Revelation 12, 11, that the devil's defeated by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's our testimony. You know, think about that. Your words, the way you share, the way you witness. And, and uh, that, that is, you've got prayer, you've got the Bible, you've got your witness that, um, that, that really keeps us together, keeps the little cedars clinging together. We're moving in the same direction. Our prayers almost redundant to the Lord it should be because we find ourselves praying the same thing whether we've talked about it or not because we're the church we're the church I think a, a fourth thing a, a fourth thing would be they tithed <laughs> years ago uh, when Beth and I just started ministry and there was there was a guy in our community that nobody could ever reach for Christ and, and we had two little churches uh, this is a second appointment the first appointment we were back in the backwoods uh, of Virginia, and, and then we moved out a little bit. After one year, the district superintendent said, I want to I move you all. I said, no, you don't want to move us. I said, we have three churches. We live in a church. We freeze to death during the winter. It's okay. I said, we're having a blast. Uh, we have a little church. We have a little, one of our churches. Uh, uh, two of our churches had outhouses. The third one had a tree, you know, that type thing. And, and, and uh, one church didn't have a piano. And uh, so, uh, so finally they bought a piano, and I said, we're missing something. And the guy said, well, who's, who's going to play it? I said, that's it. We have a piano player. And they said, well, we figured best preachers. Why, well, surely she can play. I said, well, okay. We've only been married a couple of weeks now. <laughs> no, a couple of months. I mean, and I said, well, okay. Uh, so, so she learned how to play Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. 
And, and so we sang that every week. And, and, uh, and, and then after a few weeks, I said, you know, Beth, I really like that song. And I think we've got it down now. So the next week we, we did, uh, He Leadeth Me. And then the next week we did, Save You Like a Shepherd Lead Us. And then the next week we did, He Leadeth Me. And then the next week we, and it's back and forth. And then the third one came in the repertoire. Amazing Grace. And I said, it had to be that. It had to be Amazing Grace that she got that third song. But, but that was a little, and, and the, I said, why do you want to move us? And he said, I've got problems on the other end of the district. And I said, you don't want to move me, I'm new. I said, I, I was a Christian a few months before I went to seminary. I said, man, get, let me learn the game. He said, well, they're having problems then. I said, well. He said, but Joe, I want to move you because you're of this culture. In other words, you're a backwards uh, guy. You speak the language. They all have that weird accent. When we showed up, when I opened my mouth, half the problems were gone. They said, welcome home, boy, you know, and that type of thing. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, goodness, I, I'm taking too long on this, and i got to move on. But the thing about this is uh, we had one church that had a few people and one that had almost none, and, and people started coming because we, we started working with children, and, and Beth was doing most of that, and it was awesome. And as we picked up people, there was a guy in the, in the, in the area that was kind of a, you know, he was, nobody had ever been able to touch that guy. But when his kids started coming to church, he slipped in one day after months and months and months of being there. He slipped in the back, and I saw him. I forgot my message. I forgot everything. I thought, Emmett's here. Lord, Lord, Emmett's here. He said, I know, Joe, I know. And, and, and so I gave an altar call, and Emmett walked the aisle that day. I'll never forget that. And he knelt right there. They had a center aisle, and he knelt right there. And, and I went down. I went down to Emmett. And I wanted to say, what in the world are you doing here? I, 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 I knelt down, and, and uh, tears coming down his face, and, and I prayed with him uh, and went through the sinner's prayer, and, and uh, he was gloriously saved. And I got up and turned to walk. When he's still kneeling then, he said, Joe. I said, what? He said, uh, does the church build me or do I just put it into plate? And I knew I was having a hearing problem. Either that or God had worked a miracle of all sorts. I, I said, what? He said, does the church build me or do I just put it in a plate? I said, um, he said, I'm a Christian now. All the Christians tithe, don't they? I said, Lord, yes, yes, they do. Put it in a plate. And, <laughs> and, and those are the things, you know, those things bring us together. The little cedars are so necessary and, and, and so needed uh, in the things of God that we need to be a people that pray. We need to be a people that, that, that witness. We need to be a people that, that tithe. You know, we need to be a people that worship. We need to be a people that celebrate the Lord. We need to be a people that are together, clinging to one another. Secondly, a second cedar that grew, that grew in the, the hills around Lebanon was the fire cedar. And, and uh, um, the, the, the interesting thing, the characteristic that set it apart was the fire cedar was, was uh, saturated in oil. And they say that you could put a fire cedar, you know, you could build a fire with a fire cedar and it'd burn indefinitely. 
And it was easily struck, you know, and, and, and it would just burn and burn and burn. And uh, um, Zechariah 4, 6, you know the scripture. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. At Pentecost, 120 fire seeders gathered in an upstairs room and a spark came from heaven and we've been burning ever since. You know that? The story is told of a safari in Africa and, and uh, these rookies always wanted to go on a safari. They were getting older and, and uh, they, they knew nothing about hunting. They were rookies. And they said, let's go to Africa on a safari. So, so they go over there and said, we'll hire a guide. And they hired this guide and he took them out nowhere and he said, now, we're going to build a fire in the center of the camp. And he said, uh, there's a lot of animals, wild animals around us. And to protect the camp, we've got to keep the fire burning. And so we're going to take turns to keep on guard. And, and so, <laughs> so, so while they're doing this, about 2 o'clock in the morning, one of the rookies is, is keeping, he's keeping things going there, you know. And, and in the middle of the night, there's noise outside. And the guide heard this noise outside, uh, outside his tent. And he thought, what's going on? And he stepped and looked outside. And there was this guy. There was this guy. He had, he had rocks. And he's throwing them. And there were sets of eyes all around the camp. Just, just a set of eyes. And he's throwing them. He's throwing rocks at each set of eyes. And the, and the guide says, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he said, he said, don't worry, everything's okay. I'm protecting the camp. And the guy just shook his head. He said, to protect the camp, all you've got to do is keep the fire burning. And that's true. That's true with us. That all we've got to do is to keep, to keep the fire burning. And uh, I think about this little girl, Becca. Uh, her daddy is also named Emmett, his granddaddy, and, and a good friend. And, and so he brings his granddaughter to church. <clears throat> and, the, and the children's choir sang that morning. And he said to Becca, he said, watch that, Becca. Wouldn't you like to, wouldn't you like to sing in the choir? She said, no, granddaddy. He said, Becca, they're having so much fun up there. Wouldn't you like to sing in the choir? No, granddaddy. And then she smiled and said, I want to carry the fire. She had watched the acolyte come in and light the candles. And she said, I want to carry the fire. And I thought, my goodness, if our church members could catch on to this little girl, we'd turn the world upside down. She said, I want, I want, to, uh, I want to carry the fire. Right after we moved to Fort Oglethorpe uh, from Dryden, uh, that was our third move. Right after we moved to Fort Oglethorpe, Beth is up here in Ohio somewhere, and uh, Saturday night, 2 o'clock in the morning, the phone rang, and the dispatcher from the local, uh, local fire department there and police department said, Preacher, the church is on fire. And I said, Glory to God, I've been praying for that. She said, No, no, no. I, she said, The church is on fire. There are fire trucks around the building. I said, Oh. I said, I, I guess maybe I need to go down. She said, that would be good. That would be good. So I went down, and then it was just a malfunction in air conditioning. But the church needs to be on fire. You know, you read in 2 Corinthians 29, verses 27 through 29, at the rededication, 
of the temple. And when they rededicated the temple, they had a celebration and worship. And they worshiped between, as they sacrificed an animal that took between two and a half and four hours. And, and you know, the thing that keeps the, the fire burning is worship. I really believe that. Glorifying God, lifting up the Lord, keeping focus, keeping our, our focus on Him. Uh, a, third, a third thing is, uh, is what I call the humming cedar. And uh, the humming cedar, these cedars grew high in the mountain. <laughs> and, and, and there on top of the mountain, it said that, that, that these cedars up on the mountaintops, when the wind would blow, when the wind would blow through those cedars, if you listened, you could hear a musical note, kind of. And the, and the harder the wind blew, the louder the song. It was like a choir of cedars. That as the wind blew, the song got louder and louder. And in the Scripture, in the Scripture, in 2 Corinthians, let me read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. This is a great scripture because Paul, Paul is constantly in trouble, it seemed. And in, 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 uh, let me read this. Uh, <laughs> it's here, folks. Okay, here it is. Paul said, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We are, we are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Through suffering, these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. That's the fine print of a Christian life. They don't always tell you about that stuff, you know, about the struggles. But time and time again, Paul seemed to be on his back and, and, and the old devil giving him the countdown. You know, seven, eight, nine, he's getting ready to say he's out of the game and he's up and he's moving. And he's preaching, and he's sharing, and he's ministering. Uh, Acts 16, Paul and Silas in the prison in Philippi, and, and they've been beaten. If, if I had written that, I would have, I would have had a picture there of my scars, you know. Uh, if, I, if I'd written that, I'd talk more about my hurts, you know. But you read that, it just mentions, you know, he's beaten. And, and, uh, and at midnight, as they're, as, they're, as they're in stocks, they're feeding stocks, and and, and they've been beaten, and they're just kind of there, and they're saying, oh, Lord, I'm hurting all over. Goodness, what happened? What happened, Lord? I'm, I'm out there for you, and I'm getting beat up. What's happening, Lord? What's happening? They weren't doing that. At midnight, they were singing. They sang the doxology. Grace was in another cell. She cranked it up. Dale was over here, and I mean, the place was rocking. And an earthquake came, and, and the feet, the, the doors flew open, the feet were loosened, and they went out. And the jailer, who's probably by that time drunk, really, that, 
that the jailer's there, and he said this. What must I do to be saved? Really what he said, what must I do to get what you've got? And then that's the night that his life was changed. And can you imagine how it was when he went home that morning? And his kid, maybe his wife is sitting there, and his, his, his little girl maybe has, kind of hides behind her leg a little bit. And, and he walks in, and she's seen her dad mean, and she's seen her dad drunk, and she's seen her dad, uh, heard her dad cussing and carrying on. And this time he comes in, and he's different. He's different. You see, that's the change. He's a cedar, a, a fire, fire cedar, a humming cedar, that, that the greater the struggle, the, uh, the, the, the louder the song. The greater the persecution, the louder the praise. And then finally is the tall cedar. And the secret of the, fall, uh, of the tall cedar is not in how tall it, it grew, which was 80 to 85 feet, but the secret of its strength was the fact that it, the roots protruded into the ground about the same distance. Its strength was in the roots. And in Ephesians 4, let me, let me uh, read that. I want to read. I've read. Okay, listen to this. This scripture is, is awesome. It's awesome. Then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because uh, someone has, has told us something uh, different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of the body. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly, clinging together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that's the tall cedar. The secret is in its strength. Howard Hendricks, who used to be a teacher at, at Dallas Theological Seminary, is one of the, uh, Charles Swindoll says the best teacher he's ever, he's ever heard, and he's deceased now. But he, Swindoll told his story. He said, Hendricks, they were talking about a student there at the seminary, and Charles said, I looked at, at Howard and said, uh, is he one of your students? Isn't he one of your students? And Howard said, no, he's not one of my students. He's in my class, but he's not one of my students. And isn't that interesting you say that? In other words, being a student is more than just being in the same room with somebody. Being a student is being at their feet reaping what they would say. You know what I'm saying? That, that the devil had a few facts that he knew about Jesus. He'd been in a room with him, but it wasn't enough. You know what I'm saying? That, that uh, it, it, it takes more than, than just uh, accumulating, accumulating facts. Um, I'll share a couple of things and we'll close. Number one is this. When I was a kid, I had, my best friend was Billy Boy Wolf. I was six years older than him, so I was always his authority on things. And, and uh, six days older, rather, not six days older. We were in the same room and, and, and from babies, and so we were close. Uh, Billy Boyd, a, a great friend, and he's deceased now. But um, I remember one time we were, we were sleigh riding in, in a snowstorm there in my hometown, and we had some steep hills, and, and there was a gang of us guys. But Billy was sick. He had the cold or something. And, 
His mother said, don't you, don't you go sleigh riding. She said, he said, well, let me go out. And he, she said, oh, you can go with him, but stay by the fire. So, so we go to this, this steep hill, and you had to be crazy to go down these hills because if you missed a curve, you're in a river, and that wasn't good. But, but anyway, um, so we go out, and we build a big bonfire in a, in a barrel, uh, really, and, and, um, and Billy stood by the fire all day. And we came off that hill time and time and time again, and Billy stayed by the fire and kept warm, kept the fire going. After we, as it, got, as it began to get dark and the afternoon was late, we started walking home. Never forget this. And we were walking down the road, and Billy turned and looked at the mountain and said, look where we slid down today. He was identifying with an experience he never had. Our churches are full of people that identify with an experience they never had. They're raised in church. They know the songs. And, and, and I say that because I've been there. You know, I've been there. That was my experience up through college. And, and uh, that I was there, but I wasn't there. I might have been in the same room, but it, I, wasn't, I wasn't a seated in the house of God. You with me? One final statement. I wrote this stuff in the middle of the night. And... and uh, we used to have, this, uh, we used to have this, this lady in our church in a place called Radford. And this lady would come by my office every day and, and whine. You know, she'd come early. It, it, it was rise and whine. And uh, she, she'd come by and, and uh, uh, she'd come in and she'd whine about her troubles. I, I got there and, and uh, um, finally... After a few months of that, a few, yeah, a few months, it's driving me nuts. And uh, finally I said, what kind of Bible do you use, uh, Joanne? And she said, uh, what do you mean? I said, I said, what kind do you read? What's happening in your life? And she said, well, I don't read the Bible. I said, she said, what do you read? I, and I, was, I, I read an NIV at that time. And, and she, so I said, go buy yourself an NIV Bible. She came in the next day, the biggest NIV study Bible, large print. I mean, it took two people to carry that thing. And she wore it out, and she led every person in her family to Jesus, every one of them. I mean, they didn't have a chance with her. And some, t and some of them, it took years, didn't it, Beth? One or two, maybe even on, the, on her deathbed. But uh, um, she was a cedar. Are you a cedar in the house of God? Are you a little cedar with all of those characteristics that pull you together like prayer and, and reading your word and, and the witness and giving? Is that where you are? Are you a fire cedar that with a spark, man, uh, you are worshiping and, and you are a flame for Jesus? The witness flows. The witness flows. Are you a humming cedar that no matter how great the battle is, the song gets louder and louder? Or, 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 and no matter how, how great the challenge, you're moving on. You're moving on. Is that the kind of cedar? What kind of cedar are you uh, in the house of God? They say that the best time to plant a tree was 15 years ago. The second best time is today. If you're one of those people that you put, you put a lot of time in the rooms, but you've never really opened up your life, 
to be a seed in the house of God, what better place than at Sychar? And I know that there's been people for generations now that their initials are probably carved in some one way or another in, in these pews where they've made decisions that have changed their lives, decisions for their family, decisions for their own selves in, in their walk with Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray. It's, it's time to go, isn't it? It's time to go. We'll, we'll close with this prayer then, if that's okay. Let's pray together. Father, um, we thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that uh, you speak our language. Thank you for the fact that someone, uh, someone shared the gospel with us, whether they spoke it or we saw it, or, or, or someone came and dumped us in the middle of Camp Syker and it changed our lives. Lord, uh, thank you for those people. And I thank you for the folks that, that are here, Lord, the folks that, that uh, are here this week. And, I pray that your spirit, your spirit would just flow, flow, uh, continue to flow in this place. I know you've been hearing prayers about this place all year, and, and uh, we're ready. All of us need to really look at ourselves and see where we are with you. Let this be a chance of, of renewal for each of us. And Lord, let us really think about who we are in you and put people upon our hearts to share with. Uh, give us a boldness. Give us a love that overflows. Thank you for our time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming today.